Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who are able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview Angela Lewis, an author and a PR consultant who specializes in booking her clients on podcasts. In our conversation, Angela and I discuss her transition to PR from her previous career as a professional basketball player. She then shares her secret sauce on how she pitches and books exclusive podcasts for her clients, and how accidentally missing a single event completely changed her trajectory in life for the better. So relax, tuck in, and get ready for a new episode of Black Gold Podcast. So, Angela Lewis, you are in PR. And what would you say PR really entails in terms of how people connect with one another? So what are some of the first steps that have to do in order to do that? That's such a great question. So PR really is about helping people craft their stories and then sharing those messages in a way that resonate with others. When I work with my clients, my goal is always to get to what I call the heartbeat. So what's the purpose of their product or service and what transformation will someone's life have after working with them? That's the core of the work. And so I think that if someone is interested in PR, they have to be great listeners because often what's most important isn't said. They have to be avid learners and they have to have a sincere curiosity about people in their lives and what makes them go. Those are some key elements of public relations. So in order for me to get someone as a client in the PR community, in the PR world, how would I go about finding people whose messages I want to share with the world and represent? Are there some things that you look for, particularly when finding whether a client is a good fit for you or not? Yes, absolutely. So I look for three things. The first thing I look for is what is their expertise and passion? And included in that is how do they offer that? So what products and services do they have? And how is how are their clients benefiting from that. So basically, what have you already done that's working well? The second thing I look for is what other marketing efforts do they have going on? Because PR is one piece of the marketing puzzle and shouldn't be considered in isolation. So for example, someone who wants PR, but they don't have a good website, it makes it really hard for us to do our job if you want us to share your story, but you don't have a place where people can come back to and learn about who you are. So we look at their other marketing assets. 
And then the third thing that we look at is what is the most important outcome that they're looking for? Because depending on what they are hoping to gain from our work together, we'll determine if it's best for us to work together. For example, we don't run ads at all. We specifically craft stories. We connect them to media outlets to share their stories. But if their business is someone came to us who wanted, who has a product-based business, they're not necessarily an expert in the industry. They just are selling a particular item because they want to sell it, which is fine. But the work that we do isn't necessarily best for that type of um, business owner. So we really look for consultants, coaches, experts, industry experts who want to share what they know and they use what they know to help other people. So when did you begin Angela Lewis and Associates PR? We started officially a year ago. However, in 2012, 2012, I published my first book. My bachelor's and master's degrees are in communication. So I've always loved writing and writing stories and sharing stories. So I published my first book and did all of my own PR. I wrote press releases. I pitched to be on podcasts. I pitched to be on TV interviews and secured a lot of them. And so that's when I really learned about the process. And over the years, I published more books and did the same thing and began helping people. And so about a year ago, I decided, well, why don't I start this business and help more people share their story? Yeah. And your book, it is about, am I correct in saying it's about the experiences that you had as a WNBA player in Germany? Is that correct? No, that's not correct. However, it's about sport and my experience is playing sports. So I played in Germany. I didn't play in the WNBA. But I played professionally in Germany. And my first book is about, it's called The Game-Changing Assist, Six Simple Ways to Choose Success. It's for young women to help them on their path, their journey in life. And then the second book, Post Moves, The Female Athlete's Guide to Dominate Life After College. It's honestly for female athletes in college. And that one's all about mentoring and guidance post-college once their playing days are over. Have you seen yourself going back to those books and gleaning some things you can apply to your life now? Oh, going back to the books. You know what? I need to. I, I need to. It would be really interesting to go back and read them. They're, you know, books are in many ways a, a, a snapshot of our life at that time. Our thought process have are still really very much hold on to the tenets of the first book. And it was having a vision for your future, listening to positive voices understanding the values that are needed to get to whatever goal you're trying to accomplish, overcoming the valley, reaching the point of victory and volunteering. And so there were six principles in the first book that are very salient for the way that I lived my life. So in terms of being a, uh, a PR consultant and also being an author, whenever you represent authors, is the conversation that you have, would you say, different compared to someone who is just a PR consultant but doesn't have any any experience as an author? Authors are definitely a little bit different, and, I, and it depends on the type of book that they've written. So, for example, I have a client who's a poet versus a client who 
is like Dr. Peebles, who's a chiropractor and is giving specific industry knowledge and specific technical knowledge about her industry. The advice is similar, but the way they craft their stories, it's a little different. And that's, that's really important to the work that we do with our clients is helping them create the messaging around their work. So why did you decide to start a, a PR consulting firm rather than, I mean, you had your two books already, you could have launched an author career from there. Why did you decide to turn and go ahead with your consulting rather than, rather than becoming an author or a, a, a speaker? I made the decision to help other people because people kept asking for help. And so it, it kind of came out of an organic outreach from others. And I knew that podcasting is a great way for people to connect because you can really niche the market that you speak to. And so I still love writing. I write all the time. I haven't published anything recently, but I have a few things in the works that I'll probably release within the, within the next five years for sure. I'll, I'll release some new material, but I didn't want to be the, I didn't, I wanted to create a business and not have to be the person speaking, the person writing. I didn't want to have to do all of those elements. And I really love, I think the core, the fully answer your question is I love helping people share their stories. Yeah. In terms of doing like this show and helping people. And having people on and them sharing their own experiences and everything. I mean, like you played professional basketball in Germany, and that's really something that you can't really say anybody passing the street has done. And so that's a really unique and a very just sort of special thing that makes you you. And so that's what I really love about this show is that the different people you get to talk to and the experiences that each one has creates this unique little mosaic in, in terms of the entirety of, of everything. So, yeah. Mosaic. I love that word. Yes, it is. It's very much our life becomes this mosaic of the people and the places and the things that we've done. And in my work with our agency, we get to talk to so many incredible people and get to help so many dynamic people share what they've been through. But then also all of the people I work with really care about their clients and potential customers and want to help them expand their businesses or be healthier or even understand financial management. So who would you say? Was there anyone? It, it seems as if you got a message and you were supposed to go into the PR industry. Uh, was there anyone, though, that helped you to navigate like all the different issues in terms of booking clients and making sure that you had everything in terms of like your legal setup and everything was on point. Did you have any help? Were there any mentors you encountered along the way? How much time do we have for me to list all of the people who helped me? Oh, all day, all day. Yeah. There are so many people who helped me and I would forget a few and I don't want to. So I won't name all of the names, but Every, I have friends who are mentors who help me better understand how to manage the software that we use. And so we use a dynamic software called HDB that is this incredible database of podcasts. 
And so the owner of that podcast is a really great, I mean, the owner of that company is a really great friend of mine. And we have conversations all the time about business. I have a PR consultant who I worked with, who Liz Sharp Taylor is amazing. Liz has worked in various different PR firms and she's been on the national media outreach side. However, podcasting is a little different. And so Liz really helped in terms of operations and understanding the magazine, newspaper, the print and television media side and how we can integrate those same best practices into the podcasting side. I think that's one of the key differentiators with our agency that we've taken this other model and integrated it into, into this. And then I have so many friends and family members. I'll, I mean, I could go on about that, but yes. And I, I had a coaching call today with a business coach. And so I'm always learning. We have definitely not arrived and we're constantly learning and growing. The vision is so big for the agency. So I'll need mentors forever. So in terms of, you said it was a pitch DB is the name of it. They, you can find podcasts and you can pitch podcasts and you can find, you create a profile and podcasters can find you. It's a really great platform. I mean, we still have to do a significant amount of work when it comes to doing all of the research and listening to previous interviews and finding the best fit for our clients. But it's one of the ways that um, we're able to do it a bit more efficiently. It seems as if I haven't heard of, I've heard of traditional PR firms in terms of getting people, helping them with like a book launch or helping them get an article in different magazines and stuff like that, but not with going on to podcasts. And that seems to be something that's really unique in terms of having that extra medium of media that people can get onto. And so do you think that having that little extra thing that you offer, do you think that that is what people are looking for these days? Or do you think that it's something that some people take, it's other people don't really take it? What is your, your stance on that? The value of podcasts is increasing exponentially over the past 10 years, we've seen the number of advertisers who are now working with podcasts and the general public, specifically and particularly leaders and experts, are always listening. We're always trying to figure out how we can learn on our terms and when we have available time. And people are pretty loyal to a tribe. There's this great book Seth Godin has called Tribes, and it talks about if there's a, a movement that people value enough then they want to connect with each other. And so the beauty of podcasts, back to your original question, is that you can find your tribe, whatever it is you're interested in learning more about. There's probably a host or a group of hosts who focus on that topic. And our clients find that so valuable because they're able to speak directly to the people and connect directly to the people who they're serving. And that's the value. So our clients understand, definitely understand the value. I'm just curious, what kind of research did you do on uh, on the Black Hole podcast in terms of before you sent out a pitch for uh, Stewart and and Dr. Peebles? 
Well, there's a number of things we looked at. The first thing is who is, what's the show about? That's important. You know, Dr. Peebles focuses specifically on African-Americans and chiropractic care. That's her target um, market and and a lot on women as well. And so I knew that you had to focus on sharing stories of Black people who are doing dynamic work. And we know that there's only 2% of all chiropractors in the U.S. are Black. And then for women, of course, it's even less than that. So Black women, she's very a very special person. And I thought her story needed to be told on a platform that would value that part of who she is because it's a part, it's significant to her identity. And then for Scott Stewart, Scott has done a lot of work with Black youth and is very passionate about helping Black kids understand technology and financial literacy. And so I thought that the show would be a great fit for them. And they were, they were both really excellent guests in terms of just everything. So thank you very much for doing all the research for me and finding them for me. I really appreciate that. I'm so glad you said that, Moses, because that's the goal too. Like I want to make life so easy for hosts. We want life to be really easy for y'all. So we keep sending, you know, great people and it ends up working out for all of us. And so another person that you sent me was Brandon Jakes. And I believe that he he said that he met you through somebody else and it was like a like a giveaway sort of gift is what it was a meeting with you and you were able to then get him booked on the show. Uh, what was that process of him? How did, first of all, how did you guys both connect in terms of that? What was that giveaway gift is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah. Thank you for asking this question. This is such an important question. And one of, one of the ways that we're able to meet new clients is through partnerships. So Brandon Jakes and I met because Brandon was a part of a marketing accelerator program that Tabah, the idea man, was hosting and leading. So Tabah works at Facebook, has expansive background in marketing. And so, like I mentioned before, you have your marketing plan. So he was helping his clients come up with their marketing plans, put together their marketing assets, but they also needed to share their stories. And so PR and marketing are our brother and sister. And so he managed the marketing part and he introduced Brandon and a few other of the people who were in that program to, to me and to our services. And that's how Brandon was able to um, connect with us and, and ultimately connect with you. And I see y'all have a partnership going on now. Yeah, with the uh, State of Mind Collections on the, on the website. That's wonderful. I love it. And that's part of the magic of podcasting and connecting with people. You just don't know how it's going to create additional opportunities for, for everyone. Yeah. And it, and it goes, it can go like super, super deep as well in terms of the relationships you can build with people. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. And so you mentioned the book, the book Tribes. Are there any other books that you would say really helped you to help help you in terms of either your career or personally that you found just to be of value? There's one book that I think about quite often called The Four Agreements. 
and the four agreements, it's the book is maybe this thick. And the four agreements are always do your best. Don't make assumptions. Don't take anything, anything personally and be impeccable with your word. So those are the cliff notes of the book. Of course, it goes in detail about what happens when, when you live with that level of integrity and that level of peace. So that's a good one. The Alchemist, of course, is a classic. Hello, Coelho. There's, oh, recently, recently I read Hell Yeah or No by Derek Sievers. It's Hell Yeah or No, and the subtitle is What's Worth Doing. And the book is, again, another one about this thing, and it's a collection of blog, blogs or journal entries, actually. There's journal entries that he wrote that turned into blog posts that are very thought-provoking and force the readers to be more reflective on what we're doing and why. But those are a few. I think that I heard about that one. And, and, and is that the one where if it's something that you believe that you should be doing, it should be absolutely yes. And if it's not, it should just be no. It's either extreme yeah. on the yes, or it's extreme on the no. Yeah. In terms of, yeah. yeah. His, his philosophical approach is if, if you only say hell yeah to the things that you know and feel are hell yeah, then you will keep the space in your life open for those amazing things. Because, you know, sometimes we commit to things that we really don't want or don't desire for a bevy of reasons. And so if we just say no more to those things, then it opens up space for the, the things that we really, really want. So in terms of starting, you have yourself armed with all your knowledge from all these wonderful books. And I love all those books. Were there any instances where you thought that you either failed the client or you just believed that this isn't what you should be doing? Have you had any of those encounters with yourself personally? It's a constant, it's a constant, it's constantly work to self-reflect and to figure out how we can best serve our clients. That's a nonstop process. I think anytime a client decides, oh, we're not going to work with you anymore, that's the typically the red flag of, okay, what, how could we have added value and how could we have continued to serve in a way that they found valuable? So there have been people who said they wanted to work and then stopped. And there have been people who have, who I felt could have benefited, but chose not to. But if, either way, it's a learning process. So I guess what I'm getting at is we're constantly learning. And those instances sometimes are hard to take, but you learn something from them. And ultimately, you have to just keep on moving forward. So whenever someone starts a, a PR firm, is there something you'd say that they absolutely should not do in terms of starting a PR firm? Like, what, was there something that you did that later found out, like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that? Anything like that that you have or have experienced? Yes. The thing I would say is decide what you're going to focus on and understand your capacity to execute for your clients. Execution, honoring our word and doing what we agree to is our highest priority. And so sometimes a client will say, well, 
can you also help me get booked at speaking engagements? I want to speak at conferences. I want to speak at colleges and universities. And I made the mistake one time saying, yeah, of course, we can do that too. And we can do this and this and this. And honestly, we just didn't have the capacity. I was excited. I knew that we could figure it out, but figuring it out takes so much work and it didn't work out. I mean, they actually went and found someone who does that one thing and it stung a little bit because it, it changed the terms of our contract, but it was a great lesson in just do one thing. And we ended up keeping the client just for podcast booking, which is what we do anyway. So I would say if you start, if you're going to start a PR firm, understand what your client, understand that you can have a really good business and do really well and just focus on one service. Now, uh, did you do podcast consulting? Were you a podcast PR consultant uh, pre or post pandemic? Post-pandemic, post-pandemic, well, I guess we're kind of still in the pandemic, but I would say during the the pandemic, during the Mm -hmm. pandemic, well, last year. Uh, Was there a learning curve for you in terms of finding out how to, like, operate remote video call services and helping you, helping your clients to set up different interviews in that way? How was that learning curve for you? And were there any difficulties getting established that way? One of the learning curves is technology changes so fast and there are so many platforms out there. I'm sure you know from, I had an interview with someone on StreamYard and then someone else, I had an interview on a platform I hadn't heard of before. And some people are Skyping. Well, not many people are Skyping as much, but some people use Skype. Some people use Zoom. And so really helping them understand the vast number of possible ways that interviews can occur was part of um, the curve, just making sure they stayed informed. So what would you say has been something you've been wanting to do with your agency from the very beginning? Something that I've been wanting to do that we haven't done yet? Yeah. There, there, are, there are three things. There are three things that will actively work in the but haven't released yet. I'll make them public now. So that means they absolutely have that soon. The first thing is creating this really thorough client resource folder. So everything from how to, how to best set up your podcast, I mean, how to best prepare and set up for podcast interviews, everything that you would need in terms of lighting mics. I have those conversations one-on-one with clients but having just a resource where we constantly add to that, like a folder or a dashboard where we add to that, where our clients can access, that's one thing. The second thing is I'm working really hard to build community with our clients. And so we want, I want to move beyond simply our clients working with us in the agency to our clients being able to work with each other and support each other, do business together. So creating a community with our clients because they're all amazing and dynamic and there's a lot of synergies in their work they just don't know it because they haven't met each other but we started we started our instagram page so that's huge so go over to ala public relations i'm gonna plug that now and you can see our clients we started posting them you can see how dynamic they are so the first thing is kind of resource for the second thing is the um, connecting them 
building community. And the third thing that we're working on, I'm not sure if I mentioned to you or not, but I live in Medellin, Colombia. So I'm in South America. Absolutely love it here. And we're working on a retreat for the end of the year for our clients. So that's the third thing that we're working on. Wow. A retreat to, to Colombia? Yes, retreat here. So we'll have two or three days of professional development. We'll take headshots. We'll do some, some content recorded for them, show them around in the culture, go salsa dancing, of course. I think it will be really good. So we're working on that too. So those are some things I want to do in the near future for our client. Well, that sounds really nice. Makes me want to do something. Want to go out and do something. Yeah. Lord, come on down. Come on down to Medellin. It's not that <laughs> You are with then, Miami. Yeah, yeah. I'm zoning. That's right. That's right. Nothing ever, like, nothing changes. So how did you cope with spinning, swinging forward? How did I cope with society? How did you cope with springing forward? Oh, we did it. So I was, as of two days ago, I was on Eastern time zone, and now I'm on Central. But Colombia doesn't change. It's the same. Wow. For the U.S., which technically means we change, but we, we don't change. Yeah, it's just that it's the same time, but it just gets darker later. That's Well, yeah. here, because of our location near the equator, it's, it's the same all year round. So sun rises at 6, it sets at 6. Every nice. Day. Very different. That's pretty cool. Yes. So what uh, would you say, like, put you there? How come you're in Columbia right now? I have friends who live here, and I came to visit them in December of 2020 and loved it so much that I booked my flight back before I left. I was like, I'm coming back here. Today is December, March 1st. Okay, March 1st is the day that I went back to St. Louis and changed a lot of things up. That's the short version. However, the move, the desire to move um, was really prompted by the pandemic and really rethinking about my life and what I wanted and how I wanted to live and where I wanted to be. That started the process of me exploring other places. So in terms of your what were some of the things that you found in your old place back at St. Louis that you would have to then get rid of before coming to Columbia? One of the things that was the hardest to get rid of, and I guess I didn't technically have to, but I, I needed to to move on from that life, was all of my trophies and, and medals from playing ball. I threw them all away. I got rid of everything. I took a picture of them and wrote down what was on all of them. However, it was just a crate that continued to get heavier as I got older that I never looked in. And so, you know, I took pictures of everything that, as a cruise of everything that I thought was valuable and then got rid of it. So what kind of, I'm trying to make it worse for you, what, what kind of awards did you win? Or have you won in terms of your career? I'm sorry, but I, I just had to. <laughs> okay. I can I can see you the list. I I made the list. No, I'm joking. I don't see the list. I there MVP, multiple MVPs, all conference. I won a few championships, so there were some awards and medals from that. I mean, I had medals from the time I was 12 years old. I started playing basketball at 12 years old. 
I've been six foot one since I was 12 years old. And so I just have been collecting medals. I was blessed to play on really good teams. I wasn't very good. So it was just a bunch of medals and awards and tournaments and all of that. What is the most memorable event that you attended? Most memorable basketball game? Or yeah. In, in, uh, basketball game. That I attended. The most memorable basketball game. Probably had to have been, this isn't one that I played in, but the Final Four, the Women's Final Four was in St. Louis years ago, a few years ago. And I went to the Final Four. The Final Four is always a pretty big deal. No, I take that back. Okay, that was a big deal. See, now you're triggering all these basketball memories, Moses, that I hadn't thought about in a while. Going to, I take that back. No, that was great at that moment. But going to Madison Square Garden, I went to see the Knicks play. The Knicks haven't been very good. But to be in Madison Square Garden, incredible. That's no other place like the Would you say there was a specific period when you were playing basketball? that you thought to yourself and you saw yourself as a basketball player? When was that? It was the only way I saw myself. I still, I still see myself that way sometimes now. And I have, you know, pull myself out of it. But um, when I was 12, I was, I was really tall and kind of awkward and I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. Like, I just felt really awkward. I was taller than everyone. And I started playing sports. And when you're an athlete, particularly a young athlete that's tall, and I had older brothers who played, so all I did was play basketball. School, of course, because mom and dad made sure of that. But it was the only thing I did. So my identity became really connected to being an athlete. And it was the way I saw myself, I walked like an athlete, talked like an athlete, and just committed to the game. And so was there, was there something in terms of you leaving basketball and switching over to your other career? Have you found yourself at times almost kind of confused into when you have a situation in front of you or something? Should I come at this as Angela you know, the basketball legend, or should I come at this as Angela, PR consultant, trying to make things nice? Have you ever had those instances before? That is my daily... It, okay, I'll, I'll put it this way. Yes, absolutely. And because I was an athlete for so long, and I coached college ball, professional... I mean, I've coached at every level. So being an athlete is very much an identity that helps me in business. For example, I will always only wear shirts to dress it. This is a dress, but shirts or dresses like this because I feel like I have one a jersey. So I still carry that on my really challenging days. I pull my hair up in a bun. Of course, I don't have on any makeup and I put one a jersey. I literally still have my college jersey that on days when I really have to like dig in, which is quite often I, when I don't have Zoom calls, I have on a basketball jersey. Absolutely. Every single time. That's such a great question. Because it, you, and you never, you never lose that part of you. I just don't shoot a ball anymore, but I'm sending emails instead. And so is this something that you do? Like, I like the, the basketball jersey thing. Because it's almost like you're putting on your, uh, your uniform and you're about to go to work. That sort of, yeah. Yeah. 
is anything else like that that you do in terms of do you have like a morning routine say that you go through that you went through when you were playing ball i don't so yes yes wow yes it's different than playing ball so before games i would go through the plays right i'd think through every play that we had and I would literally visualize. So that's the biggest part I think that I carry over from sport is visualizing what was to come. And so in the mornings, I take time to literally just lay in bed and visualize my goals. I'll visualize how the meetings are going to be. I take time to do that. And of course, I make my bed because that's my, my first win of the day. Every day is bed made every single day. So I get a quick win. I visualize, get a quick win and then go on about the day. How deep are you in terms of your visualization? I, I go pretty deep to be able, I want to feel whatever it is that I want to see happen. And part of the book, Hell Yeah, No, talks about one step, like whatever goal that you're trying to accomplish, if you can make it only one thing. So for example, for example, if it's, when, when I wanted to live in Colombia or if it was business related, I would just like see it. I have to really see it. And then every move I made would get me toward it. So I go deep to be able to see it and to, to feel what it would feel like to be there. Do you ever, like, uh, as you said, you'd, you'd walk through the place mentally. Did you ever take any pictures of the place and you would like look at those pictures or something before the game just to oil up those juices in your mind to help you like get ready for like oh like this this basket's over here right next to this seat over here and so I look at the seat I can see okay this is where I want to step over do you ever have you ever done that before yes and no so yes in that I loved being in the gym alone like I which doesn't surprise me that I work from home alone because I love the solitude, the clarity that you get from being in the, play, the place where you're going to do your best work by yourself. So I would go to the gym early before people got there. I always wanted to get to the court before other people arrived and so that I could take those mental, those mental pictures and get and definitely kind of walk through what it would look like to perform it. If you could speak to yourself and you were say, 17 years old, your up-and-coming basketball career, if you now could speak to yourself then, what is something you would say to yourself that would then allow the current you to either be better at what you do or to have the realization that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing? What would I say to my 17-year-old self about my 39-year-old self. So if she were to think about her 39-year-old self, it's okay to make mistakes. Actually make more mistakes. At 17, like most 17-year-old girls, well, boys I assume as well, but I'm not a boy. So I, you know, I can't speak about the mind of a boy. But most 17-year-old girls just question themselves. So they question themselves and they want to get everything right and they want to not make mistakes. I would have... I would tell myself to just more mistakes and making a mistake makes you normal versus making a mistake means you're incompetent or not smart or that you're 
dumb. Like mistakes are a part of life. So make them learn from the beginning. Get up really, really fast. Get up and go. Okay. I like that. Your mistakes really help you to find, because, you know, there are a lot of like, uh, like books and guides out there that tell you what you're supposed to do in terms of, you know, you encounter this road over here, go left instead of right, do this instead of that. You should make sure that you like wake up early in the morning, da, 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 do this, you know, meditate, journal, all that stuff. But there are very few books that tell you what not to do. Like someone will tell you this, they won't tell you, don't knock it up at nine o'clock in the morning, you know, and just fall out of bed and go to your job that way. Like, don't, you know, just don't, there are no books for do not do this, that, and the other. There may be like, maybe a chapter in one book, but usually there aren't books that are based off of failure after failure after failure that someone has done. It's like, I did this instead of this, so don't do that, did this instead of don't do that. And so having that framework of knowing what to do as well as what not to do, that's life. And that's what, what not to do, that is what we then have to, that's the action we must take in order to yeah. learn what to do more effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All of that. The great. Learning what not to do is the battle. And some of it comes from just trying, trying it. And you can learn from other people's mistakes. So you don't have to try everything. That's not what I'm saying. Then reason, take, take the risks. And so in taking the risks, were there any instances within your career where something happened that you thought to yourself, this could be it for me, whether it is in in your basketball career or in your current career as a PR consultant. Where, where let me make sure I understand the question. So was there anything that happened where I thought, oh, this is that scene, like this is going to be it, that kind of it? Yeah, that kind of it. Just making sure. Absolutely. Absolutely that happened. I remember distinctly, we'll never forget this day. I can still see it like it was yesterday. I wanted to play the WNBA. That was the goal like many young women who play college basketball. And there was a pro combine down at the Final Four in New Orleans in 2004. It's my senior year in college. And I was going to go and play in front of all of these agents in WBA scouts. The long story short is I get there to the gym on the day of the event and People are walking out. Like the women were walking out. They were sweaty. The young women who had just played, they had ice on their shoulders. I remember this one woman had ice on her knee. And I had just arrived. And I go into the gym and I see the event organizer and I ask what happened. And she says, Oh, we changed the time. Oh, Lord. What do you mean you changed the time? And she's like, Oh, we'll, it's okay to worry. We'll, we'll give you your money back. I went in the bathroom, Moses, and bawled like a baby. I had worked so hard you know when people talk about ball is life that was me ball was light and i went into the bathroom i cried i was so devastated and made the decision in that moment i will never miss another opportunity because i didn't know the time and so i reconfirmed you don't you don't know how many times i checked the calendar today to make sure that this was happening at this time would never miss another opportunity 
I think, you know, in moments like that, we can blame other people, but I'm an avid believer in taking full responsibility for everything. So could she have done something different? Yes, but I should have confirmed and reconfirmed. So you learn the lessons when you have those, this is it moments, and then you get crushed. And so that's a really, that, that's another one right there. The, the mistakes that allow you to, that really, cause that's something that can really set you up like for good later on. And it has, as you said, you were looking at the time today. That's really, that's a really good kind of mistake to, to. It, it didn't feel good now. Back, back then I was, I was hurt, but that led to me playing in Germany. So the outcome of that ended up working out. So in terms of what your PR company does. What do you do for clients who have the belief that working with an agency, with a PR company such as yours, will hinder them instead of help them? What resources do you offer in terms of dispelling those beliefs that they have and giving them the results that they desperately seek but wouldn't be able to find anywhere else? There are a few things that we do. I think what differentiates us from other PR agencies, particularly focused on podcast booking, is that we make sure that all of our clients have what we like to call crystal clear messaging. So we help them create messages. That's really important. So, you know, we could get people booked, but if we haven't helped them masterfully create a message, then and we're not fully maximizing that opportunity for them to share their story. So massively creating messages is one. The second thing we do is we help our clients make meaningful connections and be magnetic with their connections. For example, you mentioned Brandon Jakes and the opportunity that you all now have working together. We have another client that has a series with the podcast holds because we were able to make a meaningful connection opposed to a transactional one, but that requires listening to what people need. Then the third thing that we do is we help our clients create content that is like a machine. So there are all these things you can do once the podcast is released that really help you maximize that and, and get to your target market. And so those are our three areas of focus as we help clients get booked on podcasts. You know, we work with consultants, with coaches, with industry leaders who want to share their expertise and really help people. And so it's, it's incredible to hear them craft their stories and, and get better at sharing their stories, but then also gain new interest in following and leads from. And so how do you, I remember reading, it was the pitch for for Scott and also the pitch for Dr. Peebles and they were just so wonderfully crafted. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing just how, how do you pitch a podcast uh, as it on the, on the guest side? Moses, you're asking for a secret sauce now, but I'm just like, I'll share, I'll happily share. So we have a formula. We use a pitch formula that is designed to share the heartbeat. I talk about the heartbeat often because it's really the cornerstone of our work. But when I meet with clients, when we talk, I want to hear about why what they do actually matters 
and how what they do actually helps. So what's the transformation that happens? So I never pitch saying this person sells this and they do that. This is, no, here's what they care about. And here's why it's important. If it's okay, can we present them with an opportunity to speak on your podcast? So we're not harsh and we're not pushy, but we know that our clients are dynamic and we know that they have the ability to share in a way that's going to be meaningful with hosts and with the audience. And so our pitches are crafted based on the heartbeat of our clients. They are asks versus demands. And then we share, we leave more information. So hosts have the opportunity to follow up if they want to learn more about the, our clients. Have you found that hosts are more responsive to when you send the host a pitch rather than when your client sends one to the host directly? Have you found that whenever either or they send it directly or you send it for them, which one have you seen or, well, yeah, which one have you seen to be more responsive on the, on the host side? We always send for our clients. Our clients never send. We do all the research, we find the podcast, we make it really easy for them. And so to your point, we absorb all the no's when people respond back and say no, or this isn't a good time, or they're not a good fit. Our clients don't see any of that. I get to toughen my skin every day, reading emails. And it's okay. It's okay. That's why we really celebrate when they, when we get a booking, because it's hard work. Everyone, everyone doesn't say yes. And that's okay. But we're going to find someone who fits for our clients to say yes. I was just going to ask from your perspective as the host, what do you prefer? Well, I'd like to receive... It's really funny because sometimes whenever someone sends some send a pitch on their own behalf, it seems sort of, I don't know, a little bit kind of pushy in a, in a weird way. But whenever someone else sends it on their behalf, whether it's someone that is like their agent or whether it's just a friend or, you know, an assistant, it seems to have a sense of, like, I know this person, this is what they care about, as you say, and they would love to speak on your show. And so that seems to be the one that I'd say I gravitate toward more. And then there are also some things that people say in terms of uh, getting on the show. It's that, um, like, this would allow your your audience to grow by my client coming on and da 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 And it seems to me like, I don't, I don't mind that, but it seems to me that that is something that should happen as a result of the show after it's done, rather than it being a, an assumption, there you go, for agreements, an assumption of the effect that the guests would have on the show. And so I, so personally, just overview. I like it when someone sends it for another person rather than someone sending it themselves. And that's not to discourage you from sending one for yourself. Absolutely send one for you, for yourself if you want to. Uh, but if you can get a friend or a family member to vouch for you in that way, it'll be received much more with a sense of respect that 
And it is really cool when someone's assistant sends you something on their behalf. It's like, oh, they have an assistant. That's pretty cool. And so it's really, yeah, it's really something that's kind of that little, like, secret sauce, as you say, in terms of credibility. It really adds credibility when someone sends something to you on their behalf. Yes, thank you for that. That really validates our work even more. And that's what we hope to create in our pitches. Kindness is one that's so important, like you mentioned. Humility. We're not saying you have to talk to our person because our clients are amazing. We know they're amazing, but our pitches are really humble and we always have gratitude. So we all, we really appreciate your consideration. Thank you for, if time permits, we're, we're big on humility and gratitude in our ages. Well, speaking about how people can connect with each other, where can people connect with you and your work? They can follow us on Instagram, connect with us on Instagram, A-L-A, public relations, all one word, on Instagram. You can send us a DM there. You can see our clients. We recently started the page, so we built out our team. Our team is amazing. And so recently started a page and one of our, one of our teammates runs our social media, our Instagram. So you can follow us there, connect with us there, read about our clients, and then also our website, AngelaRLewis.com, AngelaRLewis.com. If you want to set up a quick intro call, there's a little form on there. You can fill out your info and we'll get back to you ASAP and set up a call. Would love to speak with, would love to speak with industry leaders, consultants, coaches to see if we can help them share their message globally. Well, thank you, Angela, for your time. I have a couple of other questions for you. And the first one is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? If I had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would my message be? Give someone a hug. Give someone a hug. We think we underestimate the significance and importance of care and closeness. Give someone a hug today. 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 Today, today? Today. Today. Okay. And uh, the other question that I have is, is there a figure, whether fictional or historical, that is, that is Black, that you can see yourself, that you see as your role model or someone that you uh, closely associate yourself with? That's a, that's a really good one. One person that I think about often is Oprah. and. Like, how would Oprah handle this situation? How would she approach this? You know, we all have those moments where we're reluctant or hesitant. And so Oprah's boldness is something that um, I aspire to replicate as I attempt to replicate it in the work that I do. So Oprah, for sure. I've listened to an inordinate amount of her YouTube videos. Well, thank you, Angela. I really appreciate you taking your time. And thank you so much for your for sending over uh, Scott, Dr. Peebles, and Brandon Jakes. Thank you so much for sending them over. Any more that you have, send them my way. Will do. Thank you. I have a few, a few new people in mind, so we'll be reaching out soon. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Angela. You're welcome. Thanks, Moses.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people will be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. If you want to stay updated on the podcast or be in the know with the various things that I'm up to, you can sign up for the MTY Midweek Newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get access to a weekly email every Wednesday with behind the scenes of the podcast and other projects that I am currently up to. So make sure to visit blackgoldpod.com and sign up for the MTY Midweek Wednesday Newsletter below.